My name is Matt Bettinson, or Mr B, and today I'm fortunate to have a chat with a man that knows a thing or two about design, style, aesthetics, art, class and culture, and he's a thoroughly nice bloke too. He has an obvious passion for people and life, coupled with a wonderful ability to listen. So I'm pleased to introduce architect Wade Wiseman. Thank Hi, you, Wade. Matt. Wade, it's a pleasure to have a cup of tea with you today, so thank you for your time. It's a perfect break, thank you. Now, I'm really fortunate to have this time with you because you're a busy man, aren't you? Uh, I've had a lot of things going on the last few years, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Could you share with me a bit about your calendar and how that's looked recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, thank goodness I have the most amazing assistant who can keep my calendar in check. Right. Uh, it is uh, bouncing around from different parts of the country right now because we have projects going from low country South Carolina to the high country around Montecito, California, right. so, and everything in between. Okay. And you're based here in Nashville? I am, yes. But you're from Milwaukee? I am originally, originally. yes. And I never say Milwaukee correctly, so you'll have to forgive me. Milwaukee's perfect. <laughs> I, um, I think it's fascinating here about hearing about how your world is. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate, of course, to have seen some examples of uh, your work and learn bits here and there. But one of my favorite things is hearing the story of how it all started. So I wonder if you could share that with us. Well, when I was a little boy, I really enjoyed building things out of blocks. Yeah. And my grandfather noticed that I would spend time sketching and building matchbox cities for my little cars. And he started giving me books on architects right. and architecture. So he started planting a seed about me being an architect really early on, probably when I was four or five years old. And I can remember when someone asked me about what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say, I want to be an architect. And lo and behold, here I am. You said fort, and I remember that from the story when, when you told me before. So I've been thinking for a couple of days about forts and, and how <coughs> your story and your start, how it all started. Have you designed a fort yet in all the projects that you've done? <laughs> I've been thinking and dying to ask you that question. You know, I did get a chance to actually do a little fort type play area for the grandchildren of one of my clients in Wisconsin. Right. So that was pretty cool. They, in, in, in that winter time up there, the kids need something to do during right. those cold weather months. And so they built this huge playroom and one wall was just this big fort that had little doors and passageways so that the kids could kind of play and hide and right. crawl around in it. So it nice. was pretty fun, yeah. Is that one of those moments, I always think there's moments in life, particularly as I get older, where there's some kind of flashback. Mm. And, and my childhood, I can't remember very well, but every so often some weird thing will give me a flashback. But I imagine doing that for that project, the flashbacks were really strong. Is that, is that right? No, that's absolutely correct. I remember some of the forts that I built when I was a kid. Right. You know, on those winter weekends when there was nothing to do and you were, you know, trying to, you know, make shift anything you could. So building blocks for me were the sofa cushions. Yeah. And, you know, just yeah. putting stuff and leaning them up against yeah. anything. Yeah. Clothespins were really great fasteners. Right. And yeah. so, you know, you put something together that seemed makeshift, but inside they were these cozy little experiences that yeah. were very womb-like and yeah. they were great to spend your winter afternoons oh, yeah. in then you got to haul all the stuff in too to make right. it 
you know, yeah. a real fort, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Books, yeah. TV. Cookies. R- milk. <laughs> right. Tea. tea. Right. Yeah, let's get the tea in there as well. Um, my son is starting to do that with the sofa cushions, and yeah. it drives me crazy. Why? And I'm trying not to get driven crazy, because I just want to sit on the sofa and have a cup of tea. <laughs> and he's there, he's got all the cushions off, and you can't move. But I get that, I love it. And I, I think back to how it was when I was... Uh, trying to build forts at his age, so uh, it, it's good. Maybe Where's, are his forts big enough for you to crawl into? No, no? for oh. my wife and my other son, yes, but not for me. Ah, <laughs> I'm okay. like a big giant. But maybe he could be an architect in the future. Maybe you never absolutely. Know. He certainly has the prerequisites. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, where you are now uh, with Wade Wiseman Architecture, um, I really like the following bit from your website and I'm going to read it out to you. Um, Founded in 1996, our mission is fourfold. Do you know the rest of this off by heart? No. Okay. To create custom, timeless architecture, to cultivate professional integrity at every turn, to encourage and provide opportunities for creative collaboration both inside and outside our offices, to foster lifelong relationships. And I think that's the one that really gets me, to foster Mm. lifelong relationships because as I think about you and how you are and your team that surrounds you and supports you and vice versa, that is um, really strong. Mm. So where does all that come from? Because they're simple statements in theory, but they are so powerful. So where do they come from? Um, When we really sat down and dissected, you know, our core values, we looked at what it was that we did as a firm and and what our mission statement is so to speak and so i was kidding before when i said you know i don't know what it is but the truth is is those are the founding principles of my office and the office that you know i hope will continue on long after i'm gone um the lifelong relationships is really when you think about it you hear the old expression it takes a village and it really does yeah right and the communities where we practice, that is really the, the backbone of the relationships that we build. Yeah. So it's not just the people that are helping us, the obvious ones, contractors and you know, technicians and you know, the craftspeople, but it's actually the people that we live around that inspire us and where we are doing our living. Right. Because at the end of the day, these residences are going to end up being places for people to live. Right. And they're going to be part of a community. And so the lifelong relationship part to me is really, really important. Just like our, we want our buildings to fit in their environment and have meaning and give meaning and be something that the community is proud of, so do the occupants. They're also that um, usually on that very same mission. Right. So it's important. So how do you convey that? Because um, obviously I did research on your website and I Mm -hmm. saw that and I love that. That was a lovely gem that I I saw there. But how would you convey that to, let's say, for example, there's a a project that's going to be a new neighborhood and um, there's existing residents that are going to be somewhat skeptical about it. How do you convey that they are integral parts of that project and the future of the surrounding areas? Well, I think it's important in any project to try to reach out to the neighborhood that is going to be affected the most. Sure. And invite them into the design process. Okay. 
it's important to s sort of hear the concerns of the people that you know your new neighbors are going to be living among. Right. Um, and you certainly don't want somebody moving into an environment where there's you know some hostility. Yeah. You you really kind of want that to be more of a uh, a binding opportunity. And so I think by inviting those people into the design process, you get to hear about their concerns. You get to hear about their traffic woes. You get to hear yeah. about the things that they've seen happen to other communities that they're frightened of. Right. And then we can take the time and hopefully walk them through the things that they're most you know, concerned with. Does it always work? Usually it does. You okay. know, every once in a while you'll get somebody who just doesn't want to hear it. Right. They've made their mind up. Yeah. But, you know, there's always people like that. And sure. You can't make everybody happy. I think for the most part, um, most concerned citizens, once you actually sit down with them and they're reasonable, they figure, you know what? Something is going to happen to that piece of property eventually anyway. Right. I can't stop everything from happening. I want the most thoughtful solution. Sure. And so sometimes it just gives us an opportunity to hopefully be that group that does the thoughtful solution. Got you. Um, you mentioned the design process, and um, one of the things that I've been thinking of for a while now, um, and one thing that I've been intrigued about is how the process works um, with a client. So if a client comes to you with a project, mm -hmm. can you share with me how um, how that works, because I mentioned before that you're a great listener, because that's really obvious, because you can tell that when you talk to you, you are intent on listening to what people <laughs> are saying, and I believe you've got a passion for life and people, mm -hmm. which I think is fair, is that right? Absolutely. You'd agree? Yeah. So, um, I imagine you've got to have those qualities to succeed, or would I be right in saying that those qualities have helped you succeed to, to where you are now with five locations across the US? <laughs> You know, it's really interesting. I mean, there are so many personalities in every profession, right? Right. Um, so there are there are architects who are true artists, right? Yeah. So they're they're creators, and and the people that seek those individuals are are the ones that want their art. You know, they want to live in that environment and be inspired by it. I think the client that looks at us and says they appeal to me are the ones that are looking to be involved in the design process of their own environment. Right. Because I'm building their house. We're designing their environment. Um, and the people that are the most important to them that are gonna be sharing that environment with them. And so, at the end of the day, someone's not buying a Wade house. They're buying their own house. Hmm. I'm just there to help fit it and fashion it in a way that excites them and, and inspires them. So the way we approach a project is to listen and to extract as much as we can about what their needs are, what they think they need to thrive in, and looking into their crystal ball and what the use may need to be over a period of time so that there's relevance over a longer lifespan right. and it doesn't just become irrelevant. Okay. Then I think we typically, a client that comes to us knows that history is a huge part of what we bring into the design process. Um, and, and I thread it into our design process 
so that the building feels like it's substantial and has a sense of belonging. Right. Meaning it respects the local building traditions, some of the quirky things that you might see in the buildings neighboring, and the ability to make sure that from a scale perspective, it doesn't seem out of place. Okay. So when, when we start weaving you know, these different ingredients you know, together, you end up with a really beautiful sort of tapestry. And, and the, the building is this sort of hopefully beautifully woven you know, building program, sense of history, site constraints, good building materials, and a sense of community. That sounds like a, an intricate process. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's project by project, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes me sweat. <laughs> because, because I, obviously I'm as simple as they come, but I wouldn't know where to start, how to understand. I mean, I could listen, but I wouldn't know how to hmm. understand and obtain those elements that you mentioned. So, because you've been doing it um, for a good amount of time, does it become just like second nature to a degree? Kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, we as architects, I think... Um, you know we're vision casters. Yeah. Okay. And you know there's great there's great you know you know history has had some great architects that are great vision casters that were you know cutting edge and you know like Le Corbusier and you know some of these you know amazing sort of during the dawn of sort of the modern architecture movement um, you know really kind of like looking towards the cities of the future. My vision casting for most people I think. Um, has a lot more romance in it than trying to essentially redefine the living environment. Um, I think that the traditions of living are really, really important to individual people. You know, how they celebrated holidays, okay. how they celebrate, you know, the occasions in life and the passage of time. Those are the things that end up in the photographs. Yeah. And, you know, end up in on Facebook now, but, you know, in the photo albums and on the, you know, on the photo wall in the house, Creating right, going memories, up the stairs right? or something. Yeah. Um, and I really, I've always gotten a kick out of that because then the walls sort of become the family archive, right? Right, yeah. And it's sort of embellished with this history and these benchmarks and, you know, images of people that may have lived and been a part of things that may no longer be there, right? right. And the passage of time is pretty fleeting and quick. Yeah. So you, for me, I think that responding to the traditions and the ceremony that individuals want to live their life in and around is really, really important to me and to find a way to make it so that the building can actually transform effortlessly, effortlessly so that we end up, the client ends up with a space that can transform to an impromptu gathering very, very quickly, no matter what the time of year or the time of day is, that makes me really satisfied. Right. When I'm working with clients and they say to me, you know, we'd like to have my daughter's wedding here in four years, wow. or, you know, we hope hope our kids and grandkids will come back here. But we start planning for that. Wow. You know, we put event lawns, we 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 condition the soil so that if it happens to rain <laughs> torrentially yeah. the day before that that soil can still be relatively dry wow. and so we've done a lot of those kinds of things so nothing is to a place of entertainment as well well it brings me on to a, a, an interesting question for you now okay um, 
my wife and my children and I watch a cartoon called Paw Patrol. Have okay. you heard of it? No. Okay. It's it's fun. So it's about a bunch of pups and a, a boy that um, kind of rescue or resolve situations on Adventure Bay. Mm. Okay. Okay. And uh, our boys have watched it for a long time, and I love it actually. Um, mm. But it does get a bit uh, repetitive. Anyway, they have when an emergency happens, all the pups are beckoned to the Paw Patrol tower. Okay. And the tower is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So the pups are beckoned, and they go in through this sliding door, and they're in a lift, and they go up halfway in the lift. They get changed into their <laughs> superhero costumes or whatever they are okay <laughs> and then they get to the top bear with me it makes sense when i've told you they get to the top and it's this control room that's got these fantastic glass walls <laughs> loads of buttons and levers and this big screen and because of the glass walls it's a panoramic view of adventure bay and that's where they work out how they're going to resolve um the uh, issue the emergency okay so when i win the lottery oh and it's got a slide so when they've worked out what they're going to do, the pups, <laughs> the pups slide down into their vehicle okay. and drive off. I don't know who created it. So when I win the lottery, <laughs> I want that designed. Okay. Do you think you could do it? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, love to. We're going to watch that Paw sounds Patrol like fun. and I'll okay. show you. I love it. See, now that's exactly what I want my clients to bring me. It's brilliant. Is Exactly. But, yeah. you know, some people are embarrassed thinking, oh, no, this is like so outrageous. But the more outrageous, the more fun. Right. That's what I think. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So just be prepared. That we're going to have a sit. The Paw Patrol. Yeah, you should watch it. The Paw Patrol. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A while ago, you told me that your garden room or, or screened-in porch area is the uh, the place where you sit when you're here in Nashville um, and you have a coffee, mm -hmm. and that's the place that gives you the uh, the inspiration. And I always think of that like a meditation of sorts. Is mm. that how you? Is that a fair description? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. It's and it's beautiful today, and obviously the, the scenery is fantastic. When you're around the rest of the country, mm -hmm. anywhere else in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world, are you able to find an area like that of some sort where you can get some kind of meditation, some kind of area, morning coffee, and, and obtain that inspiration? And I ask that because I know that. Um, uh, when you're in on the west coast uh, that's something that you've got um, similar is that easy to find is it easy to kind of get into that mode each morning it is actually um, you know every day there's usually a different challenge and obviously the daily schedule um, sometimes is, is is heavy on the creative and sometimes it's heavy on the administrative but they all kind of start the same, which is, you know, a way to wake up, um, being able to take a little bit of inventory for some gratitude and to, you know, sort of think through all the blessings that you have, okay. um, including some of the challenges, which in many ways are the things that continue to sort of challenge us and make us really... Um, come up with inventive solutions to really be at our best. Yeah. And then there are days where I'm looking for design inspiration for the creative endeavors. Um, and, and although sometimes they incubate silently, there always seems to be something that I'm working on that just the routine of living sometimes can answer. 
You okay. just come upon something that you've seen a hundred times, right? But you see it differently because you're absolutely, um, you know, focused on trying to come up with a solution to something. Um, so all of a sudden you're like, wow, I never noticed that before. This is right. Great. Um, but having a place that you can be silent and have no stimulus and let this connection of your sort of soul and the environment kind of come together um, to create some sort of inner peace is, is definitely a way to start a day. Yeah. Um, and regardless of how that day is going to go, um, finding that centering device um, and, and giving an opportunity to sort of think through, you know, the, the, the really the blessings that we've, we've, we're going to have for that day is, is, um, is for me, best spent where there's some connection to nature. Right. So in Santa Barbara, I have a small little porch, you know, off the kitchen that the first sunlight that breaks uh, the roof plane, you know, hits. And it's it sits over a small garden, and there's a Meyer lemon tree there, and the fragrance off of it in the morning is amazing. And the neighbor downstairs has a bird feeder, right. and literally what you hear are the hummingbirds and the birds, and you can just hear their little wings, wow. in in you know fluttering about. And then there's this little waft of of Meyer lemon, you know, <laughs> blossoms. And then, right. you know, there, there's the, you know, the beautiful California blue sky <clears throat> and the mountains uh, catching the, the sunlight in the morning. Um, and there is this sort of sense of wonder, right? Wow. That you're in this, you know, really spectacular environment. Um, and it's very inspiring and it's, it, but it's literally, it's a four foot wide porch with a small table on it. Doesn't have to be much. Doesn't have to be much, no. And I think, um, you know, just making sure that you're kind of aware of the the beauty that may seem very anonymous around you can actually be very special and very inspiring. Would you say that's the case for that woodpecker that keeps chiming in? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's reminding us who's boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that coffee in the morning. Yeah. And you know you said about a hundred times you'll see something. Hmm. I wonder if you drank tea every so often, that might make you see, no? All right. Um, you recently launched your book, Heirloom Houses. Yes. How did that come about? Can you tell me about it? Um, I think it was really kind of a culmination of looking back at what we sort of laid out as our core values as a firm. Yeah. The concept of, of heirloom houses was, you know, was really to essentially represent a book and a collection of, of residences uh, that, that held a certain amount of honor for the owners okay. to want to build. And as a project, I think they became, um, they became more representative of something that we thought was not just a status house, but something that was, you know, full of integrity. Right. It's very nice. Yeah. And you say heirloom and I say heirloom. <laughs> okay. 
I might need to change that as I go forward. So forgive me. You for say that. it better than I do. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like heirloom tomato. <laughs> All right, I have three questions that I'm going to ask you. Mm. With three and a half, um, and I'm going to ask these questions to all of my guests that I have a cup of tea with. So, okay. if you could be so kind and indulge me with your answers to the following, and I'll do them individually. Okay. What frustrates you? Traffic. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I was wondering what was going to um, be your answer for that. Okay. Here in Nashville or West Coast? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, I'm just not good with traffic. Road rage? Um, yeah, probably. Really? I guess it's just, I think for me, it's the inconsiderate ah. driver yeah. that doesn't seem to care that they're causing an, uh, you know, an obstacle. Um, people that don't turn on their signals. Ooh, don't. <laughs> See, um, I'm the worst for that. For, for, for noticing people, I always use my indicator or signal or blinker. Yeah. Um, but people that don't do it, and then I pat my horn, mm-hmm. and they look at me like I'm in the wrong because yeah. they're on their phone. Yeah. What? So a close second to me is is bigotry. Oh. I don't okay. really have a place for it in my life. Nice. Yeah. Okay. How do you deal with it? No, we won't go into that. Okay. We won't go into that. It'll be a, a different That's conversation. That's a political discussion. Yeah, it is. We don't <laughs> want to get into that. Um, the next one. Um, is one of my favorites. Mm. So what warms your heart and makes you smile? Mm. And you can say it's tea and biscuits if you want, but we, the next one. I think, um, to me, it's just epic on what the passage of time and history does to families and people who are together for long periods of time um you know when i walk into a great old house and i see that you know it's something that's like a third generation owned and i see the you know old pictures of when it was first finished and the trees are tiny and you know there's an old model t in the front yard or something um and i and i and i think about what dedication it took to me that sort of epic passage of time old movies that you know are sort of these you know epic long duration time yeah. span like giant and some of these other ones are just amazing to me wow. and so yeah that warms my heart you know nice. i like that um what are your diy skills like or your i call it diy home improvement skills you know <laughs> Little jobs around the house, putting up shelves. I'm a very domestic person. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a very domestic person. I like a tight run ship. Okay. I like it well outfitted. Nice. And I like it ready to be able to um, transform and host a gathering or an event from either impromptu or planned. So, yes, I'm very domestic. Nice. Yeah. Um, I practice what I preach. I like it. I like it. (laughs) If you could be, are you ready? Okay. A superhero, <laughs> what would your special power be and what would be your mode of transport? And I think that question, I'm going to base that question or blame that question on my eldest son because he's into superheroes at the moment. So I thought, well, maybe it'd be good to see what, what you think. Special power. So, <clears throat> this is very interesting. We, as a small group of us, used to 
come up with superhero names for one another, right, with my <laughs> pals. And the one that they gave me was called Descripto. Oh. And so because they thought that whenever I got into a story, I would get so finely tuned into the description of detail that they would say, you lose the whole point of the story <laughs> trying to set the dang thing up. So, um, uh, so yeah, so I don't mind. I could be Descripto. Okay. I'll be Descripto. I like that. Yeah. What would be your mode of transport? Um, a cigarette boat. A cigarette boat. Just loud, obnoxious, just coming through. I love it. No I'm traffic. Not, right, yeah, no traffic. There's no, yeah, yeah, there's there's nothing there's no right. Way. Exactly. I just, you know, show up and from one harbor to another. Wow. I wonder if we could uh, think about incorporating that with the Paw Patrol Tower mm. with the boat dock underneath. Well, that's where the pups would come yeah, out that's on it. the, right? I think we've got another episode or okay. two for Paw Patrol. I love it. <laughs> um, Wade, it's been a real pleasure having a cup of tea and some biscuits with you today. So, Thank you for your time, mm. your hospitality, your kindness, and your insight into your world. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for, for you know, pu pushing me a little bit mm. and giving me some questions that I hadn't seen before well, you're in the interviews that I've done. So this Good. has been great. Good. And it's been it's just a beautiful day today. The woodpeckers said hello a little bit, and now the birds are tweeting. So yeah. it's been really the nice. The cardinals are saying hi. Yeah, they are. Or they're saying shut up, I'm not sure which. <laughs> So from Wade and myself, thank you for watching and that's bye for now.